The following is a podcast from St. George's Episcopal Church in Arlington, Virginia. We invite you to support the ministries of St. George's Church through a one-time or reoccurring donation. To give, visit our webpage, www.stgeorgeschurch.org. The word saint is spelled in full. St. George's is a vibrant and inclusive community that is committed to loving God, serving others, and changing the world. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or the relatives or your rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. Dear Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. From our reading from the prophet Jeremiah this morning, I brought you into a plentiful land to eat good fruits and its good things. This weekend marks the change in the seasons as we transition from summer mode to fall mode. It's a time to reflect on all the experiences of the summer and to look forward to the gifts of fall. And one of the greatest blessings of this past summer for me was a trip that my husband Robbie and I took to Sequoia and Yosemite National Parks in California. We're big National Parks fans, as you have probably deduced after all of these years of me talking about them. 
and we've been blessed to visit quite a few. But I think Sequoia and Yosemite are my absolute favorites so far. Just thinking back on the grandeur of those special temples of nature, as John Muir called them, brings tears to my eyes, even though it was several months ago. And seeing each of them in my mind's eye reminds me of what a sacred experience it was. I remember anticipating the giant sequoia trees, being on the lookout as we made our approach in the car. We went through the gate at Sequoia and started the ascent up this mountainous road. And we were going toward one of the main groves where the giant sequoias grow. And as we drove, I was looking at the National Park pamphlet that they had given us at the gate and learned something quite extraordinary about these extraordinary trees. They only grow at an altitude of 4,000 to 8,000 feet, and they only grow on the western slopes of the Sierra Nevada mountains in California. So they are very specific in their grandeur. We rounded a bend in the road as I was reading the pamphlet, and boom, there they were out of nowhere, three, and you didn't have to ask if you had seen one when you finally got to them. These three giant sequoias, and the road was actually hewed out between the sequoias, so we actually drove them through them, and they were just awesome. They are the biggest trees on the earth. Driving through them felt something like entering the narthex of our church, the foyer of the church, so to speak. And then when we finally arrived at the main grove of sequoias, it was like we had arrived at the Holy of Holies. You knew you were entering a very sacred space. And then a little up the way, we saw that you could go into another grove and stand beneath these ancient trees. You have to crane your necks to actually see the tops of these trees because they are so tall. They're massive in diameter as well. And walking through the groves is like a pilgrimage. The oldest sequoias are 4,000 years old. Just think about that. Trees that have been on this earth 2,000 years past the time that Jesus walked the earth. And they start, they start with a little cone about the size of a golf ball. God's imagination is amazing. In today's reading from the prophet Jeremiah, God reminds the Israelites of God's abundant provision for them, that God had brought them out of the land of oppression in Egypt into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. But the Israelites had forgotten. They had forgotten their goodly heritage. They had forgotten who they were. They had forgotten their sacred connection to the land. They had forgotten that they were God's people, a people of the covenant. You will be my people, and I will be your God. This is a reciprocal covenant, a relationship grounded in God's provision and the people's responsibility to be good stewards of all that God had given them. Jeremiah says, 
I brought you into a plentiful land to eat its fruits and its good things. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. The people have run after false gods. They have forgotten their story, a story of deliverance and provision and blessing beyond measure. And that is our story still today. It's a story that began at the dawn of creation and it continues this morning. That blessing takes so many different forms and the gifts of the natural world are among the greatest. After Robbie and I left Sequoia, we went to Yosemite, the crown jewel of all the national parks. We entered the gate there and traveled yet another windy mountainous road for about an hour to get all the way into the valley, Yosemite Valley. Finally, we rounded a curve, went through Wawona Tunnel, and then boom, the glory of Yosemite Valley. Bridal Veil Falls, flowing so gracefully, swaying back and forth, this lovely waterfall, Cathedral Rocks, Half Dome and El Cap, incredible rock formations, and then Yosemite Falls, one of the tallest in the world. And all of these wonders, all of them were astoundingly beautiful from the valley floor as we approached them, and even more so, even more so from above. Later, we went up to Glacier Point, and you could see the whole valley from 7,000 feet up. The dramatic waterfalls, the incredible rock formations, and lush trees. Glory upon glory upon glory. It was absolutely overwhelming. I just stood there on the rim, and I tried to drink it in, tried to create an indelible image in my mind so that I could recall it at any time. And still to today, it is my spiritual screensaver. We are blessed. We are so immeasurably blessed. Everywhere you look, God's gift to us to savor and to give thanks for. We are always, wherever we are, standing on holy ground. And yet, like the ancient Israelites, we have often forgotten what a wonderful inheritance we have. Thankfully, very early on, gave, God gave us prophets who, like Jeremiah, called us to remember. John Muir was one of the best known. He's often referred to as the patron saint of the national parks. He saw and he knew at a very deep level that the wilderness lands need to be protected from unbridled capitalism. He had the foresight to know that these lands could be easily exploited and defiled. So he began writing in East Coast magazines in the late 1800s, and he wrote describing the beauty of what would become Yosemite National Park. And he was trying through his articles to get the people who were toiling away in the cities to come away 
to visit Yosemite for Sabbath time. He was a very gifted poetic writer, and he could describe things in a way that made people want to see these wonders. He believed that if people could just experience, if they could experience this grandeur, that they would support conservation. For him, this was a calling, and he knew that he needed powerful people to ensure these lands were set aside. So he convinced President Theodore Roosevelt to go on a camping trip in 1903. They slept under the giant sequoias, and they drank in the glory of the landscape. It was the most important three-day camping trip in the history of our country. Roosevelt went back to Washington, fired up to advocate for conservation. And his leadership led to the creation of the National Park and the setting aside of a total of 230 million acres of public land during his presidency. And it all started, it all started when John Muir, the prophet, called us back to our understanding that creation is sacred and that it's our sacred responsibility to conserve it. So much is happening in our world today that threatens the beauty of creation and the wellness of all the people of the earth. There are many ways that we have broken our covenant with God. Human emission of greenhouse gases are causing all kinds of environmental damage. Glacier National Park in Montana used to have 150 glaciers, but today has only 25. Hurricanes have become more devastating each year as sea temperatures rise. Droughts especially impact people in developing countries. The fire and Brazil's Amazon rainforest will have a tremendous impact on the entire earth. The rainforest produces 20% of the world's oxygen, which is why rainforests are often called the lungs of the earth. And they also absorb CO2 and regulate the level of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. So we need them. We really need them. But all is not lost. Jeremiah's prophecy is a call to us today to come to our senses individually and corporately, to reclaim our connection to God and to a realization of the gift of nature, to support environmental advocacy, to look for ways every day to minimize our personal impact on the earth, and perhaps, perhaps most importantly, to get out and enjoy the gift that God has given us, just like Theodore Roosevelt and John Muir. Being outside is good for us. Being outside is good for all people. A way to disconnect with technology and to reconnect with God and with our deepest selves. It helps us to remember who we are. And as people of faith, we do that as a prayer of thanksgiving. 
praising God for the privilege, the profound privilege of being one of God's creatures and reveling in the opportunity we have for recreation. And we revel in creation as a sign of hope and healing for this hurting world. I brought you to a plentiful land to eat its fruits and enjoy its good things. 